I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We have a song to be sung. 
shiny and so near, but the dirty tired away from the battle. say that again. Blessed are the balanced. I learned that lesson many years ago from Warren Wiersbe and it served me well. Blessed are the balanced. As humans, we can tend toward extremes, can't we? I was reading something the other uh, evening from Chuck Swindoll. He was talking about a man named Larry Walters. He said the 33-year-old truck driver had been sitting around doing zilch week in and week out until boredom got the best of him. That was back in the summer of 82. He decided enough was enough. What he needed was an adventure. So on July 2nd of that year, he rigged 42 helium-filled weather balloons to a Sears lawn chair in San Pedro and lifted off. 
Armed with a pellet gun to shoot out a few balloons should he fly too high, Walters was shot to reach 16,000 feet rather rapidly. He wasn't the only one. Surprised pilots reported seeing some guy in a lawn chair floating in the sky to perplex air traffic controllers. I would have loved to have seen that, wouldn't you? Just, just sit there in the lawn chair flying along. Well, finally... Finally, don't get any ideas, y'all. Finally, Walters had enough sense to start shooting a few balloons, which allowed him to land safely in Long Beach some 45 minutes later. The bizarre stunt got him a Timex ad as well as a guest spot on The Tonight Show. Ultimately, he quit his job to deliver motivational speeches. When asked why he did such a weird thing, Walters usually gave the same answer. People ask me if I had a death wish. I tell them no. It was something I had to do. I couldn't just sit there. Now, granted, most of us are not going to go to that much of an extreme, but we do go to extremes, don't we? Maybe you decide in your life that you're going to go on a diet. And so in your diet plan, you say, I'm never, ever going to touch a piece of chocolate ever again. Maybe others, they begin to budget. And they say, we're going to get on a budget. We've got to get on a budget. And they say, they make up their budget. And there's never, they say, we're never going to spend money on anything fun again. Fun's out. We're not going to do anything fun. It's all about essentials. Or, or maybe it's your devotional life, your time with the Lord. And you go from doing nothing and say, you know what? I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. I'm going to pray an hour daily. And I'm going to do it at 4 a.m. in the morning. We tend toward extremes, don't we? Balance is such a blessing. Balance, balance, balance. And when it comes to Christian living, there are two important, two vital things we need to balance. And those things are love and truth. Love and truth. You say, well, what's the big deal? Why do we need to balance love and truth? Well, as I was reminded, as I've been studying the last two weeks... Preparing for the message and getting ready, looking at a book we're going to tackle today. So I've been reminded, all love and no truth will lead you to liberalism. But on the flip side, all truth and no love will lead you to legalism. That's a lot to process, but I'll tell you again, all love and no truth leads to liberalism. All truth and no love leads to legalism. Truth and love go together. Truth and love need to be balanced. In fact, Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things and to Him who is the head, Christ. But here's the question. Why all this talk today, preacher, about truth and love? Well, I'm glad you asked. Today and next Sunday, we're going to study a little New Testament book which deals with these subjects quite a bit. It talks about truth and love. And our little study of this book will bring us up to our Thanksgiving service and then our Christmas series. In fact, in just 13 verses that make up this little book, the word truth and the word love appear several times. And I'm talking about the book, if you haven't seen it already in your bulletin, the book of 2 John. I'd ask you to turn there. The quickest way to get there is go to the last book of the Bible and back up. 2 John. 2 John. And as I've been looking at this little book, you know, 2 John is probably a very neglected book of the Bible. And I want to rectify that in our study today and next week, God willing. And as I've looked over this little book the last couple of weeks, I've come up with an outline that is hopefully accurate. 
but also easy to remember. I've outlined it very simply with three points. As we think about the book as a whole, and then we'll take it apart and begin looking at it in pieces. But we find in this book that first of all, John says, way to go in verses 1 through 4. He says, way to go in verses 1 through 4. And then in verses 5 through 11, he says, watch out. Watch out. And then the last two verses, verses 12 and 13, he simply says, we'll see you later, hopefully. We'll see you later, hopefully. So he says here, way to go, watch out, and we'll see you later, hopefully. Now today we're just going to take the first point where he says, way to go. And then we'll leave the rest for next week. Now it's a short letter. Really, some have said it's almost a postcard. There's only 13 verses in it. So I want to read the whole thing so you get the overall picture. And then we'll go back and look at verses 1 through 4 today. I hope you have it by now. I hope you'll follow along as I read the book of 2 John to you. The Bible says, 2 John, The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Are you noticing that theme already? Truth and love. Verse 4. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds." Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Now obviously you can read through that passage, that little book, very quickly. And before we start really unpacking it and looking at some things today, we need to get a couple things settled right off the bat. We're confronted with some challenges, two challenges in particular. Number one, who wrote the book? And number two, who was it written to? We need to understand this to understand the book. First of all, who wrote it? Well, verse 1 says, the elder. The elder. And most conservative Bible scholars agree that this elder is none other than the Apostle John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And at this time in his life, he would have been a very old man, an older man. But this term elder, the elder, probably refers to his position rather than his age. He's known as the elder. And the person receiving this or the church receiving this would have understand who's writing it. The elder, that is the apostle John. Now that challenge is much simpler than the next challenge, and that's this. Who is it written to? Now you notice in verse number 1, it says, "...to the elect lady and her children." So the question is, who was 
the elect lady and her children. Well, there are two main schools of thought on this. Now, hear me out. I want you to understand this. Number one, some believe this was an actual lady and her children who were being written to. There's an actual lady. She's not named properly here. She's called the elect lady and her children. And if that's true, then look at verse 13. That means verse 13 means the children of your elect sister greet you. So that would also be a real person, an actual lady, her sister, writing and greeting her uh, through John. The second school of thought is this. When it says the elect lady and her children, what John is meaning is a local church and its members. In other words, when he says the elder to the elect lady and her children, he's talking about to a certain church and its members. And so if that be the case, then verse 13, where it talks about her sister, would be another church sending its greetings to them. Now let's complicate a little bit more, y'all ready? Let's make it a little bit harder. Stay with me and think. Now in this day and age, the churches would meet in the homes, right? And so it may be that it's actually written to an actual lady and her children who had a church meeting in their home. Could be. And maybe one of the reasons that John said the elder to the elect lady and her children is because he was seeking to protect them lest the letter fall into the wrong hands, lest they would be persecuted. So maybe he was writing in this way in order to protect them from persecution. In all honesty, you ready? We don't know. We don't know. But the good news is it doesn't change the lessons that we learn. And the lessons are the same whether writing to a lady and her children or a church and its members. And we're going to look at the passage from both angles today. Now that being said, let's dive head first and swim around in this passage. The first part of the letter is filled with commendation. John is really saying here, um, way to go. Way to go. Now John's going to deal with some very tough stuff in a little bit in the letter. But first of all, he blesses this lady and her children or this church and its members. And he focuses on some good Stuff. Some good stuff. Now I want to be honest with you, beloved. There's a lot of bad stuff that we have to deal with in life. There's plenty of bad stuff to focus on. But sometimes we need to step back from all that stuff and focus on the good. Sometimes we need to step back and quit talking about everything that's gone wrong and going wrong and talk about what's going right. And celebrate what's going right. And that's hard for some of us, isn't it? Some people always seem to see the glass half half empty rather than half full. And in fact, some people listen to a message like this and they'll begin to think, man, the preachers, what he's saying doesn't seem right. Focus on good stuff. Uh, Focus on what's going right. I, I think the preacher's going liberal. I think the preacher's going soft. Now listen, beloved. Blessed are the balanced. You have good and you have bad. And John begins this letter. He's going to deal with some tough stuff. Some bad stuff, deceivers and false teachers and all that. But before he does, he says, listen, I want to focus on some good stuff. I want to say to you, way to go. Look at it with me again. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly 
that I found some of your children walking in truth as we have received commandment from the Father. Have we got issues that confront us? Yes. Have we got problems that need to be addressed? Yes. On a personal level? Yes. On a church level? Yes. But listen, for just a few minutes, I want us to step back, take a break from all the bad, and focus on the good. Let's focus on all the good things that God has blessed us with, that He's poured into our lives. And John talks about two things in particular here, and those issues are love and truth. John says, in essence here in these first verses, I love y'all in the truth. That's the southern version. I love y'all. I love you. And, And not only do I love you, but those that know the truth, they love you too. You see, this truth unites us and binds our hearts in love. He says this to him. Why? Verse 2, because of the truth. And this truth abides in us, he says, and it will be with us forever. It's security. It's secure. Now the question is, what kind of truth is this? What kind of truth can do such a thing? Well, beloved, first of all, the truth of the Word of God, the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so, this truth before us, the truth of the Word of God, the truth of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, we also have the person of truth, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says what? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we're united and bound together and secure in the truth, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also the person of truth, the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know He's truth too? Listen to what John 14 uh, says in verses 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells in you and will be in you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, another letter that John wrote. 1 John 5, 6, this is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Beloved, as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the truth. The truth has set us free. The truth of the Word of God. The truth of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ Himself. The truth of the Holy Spirit. And John says, listen, I love y'all in the truth. And those in the truth love you as well. And because of truth, it abides in us. It will be with us. We're secure in the truth. And not only that, we find some more good stuff in verse 3. Did you notice it? He says in 2 John uh, verse 3, Grace, mercy, peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Now we see a picture of salvation in those first three words, don't we? Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. You see, God's grace led Him to have mercy upon us, which saved us and led us to have peace. And all of this is from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, in truth and in love. And you know what else? You know, He's writing to those who know Christ. You see, the grace of God is not only for those who need to be saved, it's for those who are saved. You know why? Because grace is for us today. I love James 4, 6. It says this, but He gives more grace. 
Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so grace is not just before we're saved, not just the moment of our salvation, but we get more grace. And we're told to ask for more grace and get help and, and find grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend we have. This is good stuff. Why? Because it's God's stuff. God says, listen, there's truth, there's love, there's grace, there's mercy, there's peace. This truth has united you. It's kept us together. It has set us free, this truth. Hallelujah. But then we come to verse 4. And this is where we get to the commendation proper. This is where John says, way to go. Way to go, elect lady. Way to go. Look at verse 4. I rejoiced greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. Now John had met or John knew some of the elect lady's children. And he found them walking in truth. Now that does not necessarily mean that there were others who were not walking in truth. He may, not, uh, he may not have met all of them. But the ones he'd met, the ones he knew, he says they're walking in truth. Now walking in truth, walking in love, means walking in obedience to God. Look at verse 6. This is love. That we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Walking in truth, walking in obedience. Mom and dads, think about this for a moment. This letter may have been written to a real mother in a real place who had real children. And John says to that mom, listen, I rejoice because your children, I've met them, and your children are walking in truth. They're following the Lord Jesus Christ. And this must have thrilled that lady when she got this. The Apostle John says, listen, I rejoice because I found your children walking in truth. Now be honest about it, moms and dads. Don't answer out loud. But is this the desire you have for your children? Do you want them to love and follow and serve and obey Jesus Christ? Do you really? Do you want them to be walking in the truth? Now, if I were to ask you that personally, a lot of people right away, they say, oh, oh yes, preacher, absolutely. I want my children to walk in truth. But are they just mere words? Are they just mere words? They are if the Bible and the gospel and church and prayer and obedience to Jesus Christ is just a side issue in your life, mom or dad. They are just mere words if, if everything else in your family life forces Jesus Christ to take the back seat. Take, for example, church attendance. If church attendance is just an option, if nothing else better presents itself, if nothing else this weekend goes on that's better, and you say, well, listen, we're, we're not going to go to church today because we're going to do thus or so. You know what you're really saying to your kids? You're saying this. You're saying, listen, God and Jesus, they're nice. They're real nice, but they're not most important. They're, they're not most important. You're telling them, really, by not even saying a word, you're telling them, listen, let Jesus have a place in your life, but not first place. Now, he can have a place. Jesus is nice and, and church and all that. But listen, th th don't get too wound up. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says this in Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You're saying to your kids, now listen, don't, don't be too radical. 
And don't get carried away. But listen, what's Jesus say? Jesus says, listen, I want you to be radical. I want you to put me first in your life. I want you to lay your life down for me. I want you to be a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus says. We've watered it down. We've said, oh, you know, it's a nice thing. You come to church when you can and, and pray when you want. And once in a while you can give out a gospel tract. But Jesus, listen, I want your life. I want first place in your life. I want you to be radical. I want you to be different. I want to be, have first place in your life. Be honest. How far is too far when it comes to your family and Jesus Christ? Listen, He wants all. What greater legacy, what greater joy is there than knowing that your children walk in the truth? What greater joy than knowing that they are true followers of Jesus Christ? Listen, we've got to be careful. Why? Because our world presents us with so many options. And even as followers of Jesus Christ, we can become so distracted. So distracted. I'm going to say some things. You hear the spirit I'm saying. Moms and dads, listen. When eternity comes, it will not matter whether your child was an A or D student. When eternity comes, it will not matter whether your child could throw a ball or not. When eternity matters, it will not matter really. When eternity comes, it will not matter whether your child was a doctor or a fry cook. What will matter is that your child had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to stand for all eternity. That's going to make the difference between heaven and hell. And so don't get so distracted by all this stuff. We live in a day where they want fame and, and fortune and all these things. And Jesus stands saying, listen, give me your life. I want your life. I want first place. Is there anything wrong with having an A student? No. Anything wrong with those things? No. But listen, your focus must be right. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how can you help foster this? Because obviously, if this is an actual lady and her children are being written to, and there's a real possibility it is. And listen, there are good Bible scholars, love Jesus, love the Bible, love God on both sides of the fence. We're not sure, but if this is a lady here, then she's done some things right, hasn't she? And I want to give you, in the last few moments, just some biblical principles that come to mind to help you to foster seeing your children... Walk in truth. Just, just some real simple things here. First of all, give your children to God. Give your children to God. Now some do that in a formal setting before the church. Some choose to do that on their own. But no matter what, listen, you need to give your kids to Christ. Say, so what do you mean, preacher? I mean, give them to Christ. Say, Lord, you've given to me this time and I give them to you and help me to, help me to surrender them to you. Give them to Christ. Secondly, bathe your children in prayer. Bathe your children in prayer. Pray for them. Pray with them. Pray for their future spouses. Pray for their life choices. Do you realize how many uh, life choices are made when, when, when you're 17, 18, 19 years old? The things that set the course of your life. Where are you going to go to school? What about Christian college? What about a Christian university? Is, is it an option in your home? What about being a missionary? Now, I prayed earlier about some of those boys and girls. That scares some parents to think, hey, wait a minute, my, my kid being a missionary, what if that's God's will for their life? To be a full-time missionary. Bathe them in prayer. Pray for their life choices. Who they're going to marry. Where they're going to go. What they're going to do. What their job is. Bathe them in prayer daily. And here's an important one. Don't miss this one. 
model Christ likeness before them. You can talk all day long, but they see your walk. They know how you live. They know who Jesus Christ really is to you. They know if this is real or not. They know if you're just going through the motions. Model Christ's likeness before them. Fourth, talk to them about the truth and keep talking. Bring the Scripture into the equation. Talk to them about the Lord. And constantly point them to Jesus. Kids face so much today. I'm afraid they face a lot more than you and I faced. You know that? You need to bring Jesus in their world. And keep pointing them to Jesus. When troubles at school and trials and challenges and, and, and those who would come, always point them to Jesus. Take them to the Scriptures. Walk with them. That requires that you be in the Scripture. That requires that you know these things. So you could help them and, and guide them, direct them. We like to make things so complicated. Did you know that? We're masters at complicating things. Listen, just live with Jesus first in your life. You make sure moms and dads that Jesus is first in your life. And in your family's life. It gets real simple. Let me read to you Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. It's real simple. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Listen. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Wow, that's mind boggling, isn't it? Just talk about them when you sit in the house. When you walk by the way. Modern translation, when you're driving down the road. When you lie down. When you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, in everyday living, live Jesus. In your family's life, Jesus should be real. He should be the head of your life, the head of your home. He should be real. Now, we're almost out of time, but we said that this may be written to a church and its members. So, what's the lesson for a church and its members? Well, I think the lesson is clear. Church members, those who belong to Christ should be walking in truth. You say, what is walking in truth? It's walking in obedience to Jesus. And if you're a member here at Red Hill Baptist Church, this local body of believers, you realize that in this community, where you live, where you go, you represent the body of Christ here. You attend here. You represent the body of Christ here. That's a serious thing. But listen, even more important, never forget, as a Christian, you represent Jesus Christ, period. Never, never mind the church. You represent Jesus. And you represent Jesus. Listen, you ready for this? Every day. And everywhere. You say, oh, whoa. Yeah, it's full time. See, the Lord doesn't call us to be part-time Christians. He doesn't call us to be, you know, even just 40-hour week Christians. We are followers of Christ 365, 24-7. Everywhere, every day. And as we go forth in our lives, even the very name Christian, we represent Christ. And we should be walking in truth. The lesson's real clear here, isn't it? Way to go. Way to go, elect lady. There's truth, there's love, there's grace, there's mercy. There's peace. 
Your children are walking in truth. And I want to challenge you, moms and dads, to see that your children walk in truth. I want to challenge you, members of Red Hill Baptist Church, that we're out walking in truth. That is walking in obedience to Jesus Christ. Good stuff here. Good stuff here. I want to hear the Lord Jesus one day say to me, I hope you do as well. Way to go. He used a little bit different words, doesn't he? He says what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Way to go. Way to go. Every day, we represent Jesus. Walk in truth and love. And beloved, keep them balanced for the glory of God. Now, Father, I thank you for this time in your word. And I thank you for truth. And I thank you for love. Father, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, your peace. And I thank you for the promise of more grace to help in the time of need. Lord, we need you like we've never needed you before. Our world is turning from you so fast and rejecting you in so many ways. Lord, we can focus, focus, focus on that. But today we've we've stopped for a moment. And we're going to focus on your goodness and your glory and your truth and your love and your grace and your peace and your mercy. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this evil world to live that out in our lives. That others would see Jesus in us. Father, I pray for those of us who are moms and dads with kids still at home. And even those who maybe kids have gone on. May our kids see Jesus in us. Grandchildren see Jesus in us. Lord, I pray for a godly legacy. I pray for moms and dads who will give their children to you. Bathe them in prayer. Point them to you. Talk about you. Encourage them to follow you. in whatever path you have for them. Lord, I pray as church members, we would take this serious. This is not just something we do just because we have nothing better to do. You've united our hearts in love and in the gospel here. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk in obedience. Representing not just this church family, but ultimately representing Jesus Christ. Help us to be a balanced Christian. Truth and love, not going to liberalism, not going to legalism but keeping that tension with the Holy Spirit's guidance of truth and love. Help us as we study the remainder of this book, as we're challenged next week, God willing. Help us to understand it and apply it to our lives. We love you and praise you and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, we've got it out to rejoice in. God has been so good to us. We're going to sing in closing 441, Since Jesus came into my heart. And I hope you sing it out. If you don't know Jesus today, I would invite you to Him. Come let me know you need to be saved. I'll put you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. We'd love to lead you to Christ. Moms and dads, I've tried to encourage and also challenge you today. I hope I've done that. Church members, I've tried to challenge all of us as well. Let's walk in truth and love. 441, let's stand and sing since Jesus came into my heart. Amen.